Are you cruising through life not always knowing what direction you were headed? Let Live On Purpose with Dr. Paul Jenkins be your guide. Live On Purpose will give you insights into your life and show you how you can become the driver and captain of it. No more aimless wandering. By learning the principles that govern happiness and wealth, you will be able to make personal progress that you have only dreamed possible. And now, here's your host, the shrink who expands your life, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life. Glad to be back with you. It is exciting to me to see how this podcast is growing. Thank you so much for sharing it with your friends and your associates, people in your address book. Send a link to them today. Let's see if we can get more people connected to this show because there's a lot of people out there who could really benefit from some of the principles that we talk about here, some of the ideas, and just that concept of living on purpose. Take this life that you have and start doing it on purpose, and things get pretty fantastic pretty fast. We're glad to be here again with you this week, sharing some some ideas with you. Today, I have some things in mind, and I have another guest in studio. I know that's going to shock everybody, since I do that every week. But I have a guest. I'll I'll introduce him in just a minute. Uh, the topic that we're going to be taking on today is one that I deal with. Uh, I was going to say every single day, and as I think about that, I think that's probably true. I think I deal with it every single day, and it has to do with facing your fears. I know that a lot of people out there have some fears right now that they're wondering what to do with. Well, after you listen to this show today. I'm hoping that you'll have some other ideas about that. So my guest, seated across the table from me, I just ran into this guy down in St. George last week at a track meet where your son and my son were there competing. My son's over here behind the control board right now, and he ran a two-mile event down there. Um, And his school took first place in that meet, which is just thrilling. And Ken, I saw your son down there running as well. That's right. And I think it was the same race. It was. And uh, a different heat, uh, I I believe, but uh, in the same race at two miles. And you and I have worked together a little bit before, um, coaching soccer teams and just having some fun working with kids. And I discovered something about you during that time. And folks, this is Ken Baker. He lives in my neighborhood, but I didn't know until I was coaching soccer with him that he's also an author. And you wrote a book that caught my attention. It's called Brave Little Monster. We're going to talk about that book a little bit on today's show. But it's everything about today's topic and how how facing your fears is an important thing that you get to do in life. So you came up with this book, Brave Little Monster. I'm I'm thinking, Ken, give us a little introduction to yourself. Okay. You know, beyond what I've said, I mean, I think you're wonderful. You've done some good work. (laughs) But you might want to tell the people a little bit more than that. And where did this story come from? Um, well, first, let's just tell you a little bit about myself. I am um, mm-hmm. married, have five children. Um, their ages range from six to, to 17. And a few years back, um, my little girl, when she was quite young, she was probably oh, five or so, um, 
she started having nightmares on a regular mm. basis, um, night terrors, and she would wake up screaming. And um, you know, during that period of time, it you know reminded me of when I was a child, and uh, some of the the things I would be afraid of at night. Um, you know, monsters under the bed or in the closet or, you know, outside the window, you'd see shadows, you know, through the curtains and, you know, just, you know, typical things that you'd be mm-hmm. scared of. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, it would be fun to have that monster be afraid of me. And, uh-huh. uh, and so I wrote this story called Brave Little Monster where there's this cute little monster actually, who's trying to go to sleep at night and... He's afraid that there are children hiding in his room. So it's just turned the tables, basically. Exactly. exactly. Mm-hmm. And so it explores that. It explores um, you know, the idea of real fears and imaginary fears and, and ultimately how to face your fears. And uh, at the end, that's what the monster does. He faces his fears and, and mm-hmm. he finds out things aren't as you know, bad or as difficult as you know, he imagined they were. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, the thing that caught my attention about this book, I, I already mentioned that I deal with this on a daily basis in the counseling and the coaching and the consultation that I do with people. And uh, I worked a lot with kids throughout the course of my career. And it's one of the most common things for little children to deal with is just these fears. And it might be something like you said, you know, it might be imaginary, it might be real. Are the monsters real? Well, there's different theories about that, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I wanted to point something out about that that I've learned through my psychological training. There is a part of your brain that doesn't know the difference. It literally cannot distinguish between a real threat and a perceived threat or an imaginary threat. And that part of your brain is going to kick you into what's called the fight-or-flight response, regardless of whether it's real or imaginary. So an example that I share with people sometimes has to do with, with the theater. You know, you go to the theater, let's say that you're watching a really intense movie. What do you find yourself doing during the intense parts of the movie? You know, sometimes your, your hands will be digging into those armrests or into the person you came with or whatever. And your heart rate starts to increase. Okay, and your your breathing gets kind of shallow and fast, right? Exactly. And it's just light on a screen. So what gives? Well, there's this part of your brain doesn't know the difference, and so it kicks you into that fight or flight response. And that's what I was describing. You know, the increased heart rate, the shallow breathing, all of that comes with with the fight or flight response which is a natural reaction that your body and your mind have any time you experience a threat. So here it is, you know, and it's just, you're going crazy because you're, you're feeling all of these things. Even though it's just light on a screen, okay? And, and I share this with adults, adults sometimes so that they will understand a little bit better what their children are going through. It's really easy for the adult to say, oh, there's no monsters in there. But the child with this active imagination is convinced that that's not the case, <laughs> right? There are monsters in here. And there's, uh, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, actually, but maybe that's okay. This will get our discussion going. There's two basic things that you can do with your fears. 
What would you say those two things are, Ken? Do you well, have you, a sense? You can face them or you can mm-hmm. run away from them. That's exactly it. We didn't even rehearse that. Very good. <laughs> you can face it or run away. Those are your two basic choices. When you get into this fight or flight response, see, your brain loves you. This is good news, right? Your brain loves you. It does not want for you to, uh, to experience something that's going to harm you. Okay, so here's an example. We're out walking through the woods, okay? Just out you know, minding our own business, just enjoying the weather. And suddenly, from behind a tree comes a big angry bear. Coming after you. Okay, you're going to have a similar response to what I described earlier. Increased heart rate, shallow breathing, kind of that panic response, right? This is the fight or flight response. And your brain does that. I say your brain, it's your body that's reacting to. But your brain triggers the release of certain chemicals into your bloodstream. Like adrenaline, for example. And that gets you all pumped up so that you can do one of those two things, fight or flight. And you said something that I knew you would, and that is that (laughs) the, the two responses you can have to fear are to face it or to run away. That's basically your fight or flight, okay? You're going to be able to face it or run away. And this chemical reaction you have in your body is designed to save your skin, okay, to keep you safe. Your brain does not want you to be bear chow. So it kicks in with that response to preserve your life. But as we talked about earlier, there's this part of your brain, it's called the limbic system, that that really doesn't distinguish between a real threat and a perceived threat or an imaginary threat. So it's going to kick in either way, either way, and get you into that fight or flight response. When you're experiencing that, Ken, what's your experience? What, what do you think is the most likely thing or the most preferred thing to do for most people? You know, I think a lot of people, um, the tendency is, is to back away or to, a lot of times, you know, they, they don't want to move forward. You know, I, I don't know if we have time for this in, in this segment, but it reminds, where you're talking, it reminded me of once when I was um, up Rock Canyon with my brother-in-laws and we were going to go caving. Oh, and, uh-huh. and we had to repel over this lip of this cliff. It was like a 200-foot drop down below. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were all tied in, and there was a, a rope tied in under the lip. And, you know, if we lost our grip, we would have just simply slid under the lip onto this ledge. Mm-hmm. But this was my first time ever repelling. And even though I saw that, all I could do was look at this 200-foot drop, and I froze. You know, mm-hmm. I literally froze for about five minutes, and it, it took me that long to get my courage up to actually face that fear and repel. Even though it was completely safe, I still had that fear. Mm-hmm. But, and you just added another one, fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really a form of flight. Yeah. Because it's your way of trying to stay away from or avoid that thing that you fear. Exactly. You don't want to move any closer to it. So psychologically, probably the hardest thing to do with fear is to face it. Because everything inside of you is telling you to run away. Get out of there. Save your skin. Right? 
Exactly. And and by all means, don't go closer to it. <laughs> right? I have a similar experience that I've shared before about me and the diving board. And, uh, when I was a kid, I used to just be afraid of the diving board in the pool. And it probably came from an experience where I belly flopped or something, you know. But I would I would avoid going around the diving board anytime the family went swimming. And there was an experience that uh, um, I had with a birthday party where my sister and I had uh, a party at the pool where my dad worked for our birthday. And we took a bunch of friends there and sure shoot. And one of my friends says, hey, everybody, let's go off the diving board, right? Oh, man, I'm freaking out about it because everything inside of me is saying, no way. Well, I had those two basic choices. I'll tell you more about that experience when we come back from this first break. This is Kirk Weasler to tell you about morebetterbooks.com. Morebetterbooks.com is where you can find more better books for a more better life. Not only that, let me tell you about some of the very fun and cool select titles on morebetterbooks.com. You'll want to get a copy of The Dog Poop Initiative. This best-smelling book could change your life forever. It certainly changed the lives of thousands of Boeing employees, as well as school teachers, parents, leaders across the United States and in Israel and in Germany. And you can get your own copy at morebetterbooks.com. Whoa, that's not all. What about The Cookie Thief? This classic tale told in a rhyming format, fully illustrated with very fun hidden messages. Pick up a copy now today on morebetterbooks.com. Other great titles there, Finding Your Pathway to Mastery, Beyond Illusions, Make It Great. These titles are only available on morebetterbooks.com. Go to morebetterbooks.com today and begin to have a more better life and live that life on purpose. If the pile of books you want to read is growing faster than the pile you have read, then Abundant Reading Systems can help you. After taking Abundant Reading Systems course, I dramatically increased my ability to expand my knowledge in a much more efficient way. My fastest test today was in the 7,000 words per minute. I highly recommend this program from what I've seen it do for other people who've been through the entire program and from what I've seen in myself today. I've teamed up with Abundant Reading Systems to offer a single-day intensive speed reading workshop that will at least double your reading speed, guaranteed. This belief started to grow inside of me that I thought, you know, I can really do this. I can read, you know, as fast as I let myself read and uh, ended up doubling my time, my speed reading time, which was really good. This is David Hinton, founder of Abundant Reading Systems. I want to personally invite you to join us for our next event. Visit AbundantReadingSystems.com now. Abundant Reading Systems, reading at the speed of imagination. So I'm totally relating to what you said about the the cliff. And when your limbic system kicks in and you get into this fight or flight response, everything inside of you is telling you to get out of there, to avoid this situation. And by all means, don't go closer to it. 
And so for me, in the diving board example, I didn't want to go near it. Well, here I am at this party. All my friends are there. And they say, come on, let's go off the diving board. And I can't remember. I was maybe 12, 13. I can't remember for sure. Besides, the story gets better every time I tell it, right? It's one of those. (laughs) So uh, I have this choice. I can face it. I I can follow my friends up out of the pool and get in line at the diving board. Now, can you imagine what happens to my level of fear as I do that? Well, it's going to go up. It's going to go up. Exactly. In fact, here's a fun little exercise. You can do this yourself with whatever fears you're facing. Give it a rating from zero to 100. And zero means, hmm, can't really think of anything that's bothering me. And 100 means, oh, my heavens, I'm going to do something that's probably illegal. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) Where you're just freaking out. Well, there's a threshold point. So let's say that I'm lined up behind the diving board, okay? And my fear level right now is at about 80, okay? It's not 100 because it can still go higher, right? (laughs) And as I get closer and closer to my turn on the diving board, that number keeps going up and up, right? Because I'm facing the thing that I'm afraid of. Well, you hit a point which I call the threshold point, and that's where you've got to make this decision. Am I going to continue to face this thing, or am I going to run away? And let's say that my threshold point is 93. And so I hit 93, and I think, no, no, I'm not going to do this. And I run away, and I get into the dressing room, and I hide in one of those little stalls. Where does it go now? What's my rating now that I've run away? Well, it's dropped down. Yeah, yeah it, it drops right off, and I feel relieved and relieved, and I'm like, Whew, "Wow, that was a close one." Okay, now let's just pretend that my friends come in. They find there he is. Come on, you guys, let's get him. And they grab hold of me and they drag me out. They come on, Paul, you're going. And they get me out to that same place where I was 93 before. Where am I now? You're probably even higher now. Even higher. Yeah, now this is the dilemma that I wanted to present. And Ken, you can tell me if you agree with this or not, but when you avoid a fear, it actually increases that fear in the long run. And the reason I believe that is because it it reinforces in your mind the exact opposite of what you're trying to accomplish. See, when I run into the dressing room and I hide and I've gotten away from the diving board, I feel relieved. And so there's this little, it's, it's like fuzzy logic, okay, in my head that says, oh, it really must be dangerous because look how much better I feel when I avoid it. See how goofy that logic is? Mm-hmm. And yet your brain does that. So, so if you avoid a fear, you actually increase that fear. And over time, you can develop what we call a phobia, A phobia is an intense, irrational fear of something. And it typically is, it comes from that. It comes from avoiding some feared thing consistently as a pattern. And then you reinforce that that fear in your own mind. Okay, so let's look at the opposite. Let's say that I... I'm at 95 now, okay? And and the guys aren't going to let me out of this. And so they're pushing me forward, right? And that drives my fear up even farther because I don't want to be pushed. And maybe I'm at 98 and I'm out there on the board and my turn's next. And I take a little hop. 
Not a big one. <laughs> Just a little hop right off the end of the board. Okay, where is my fear level now? Well, it's dropped way down. Well, almost. At that point, it maxes out. Okay. Right? It's not going to go any higher. But then you're right. As I fall to the water, you know, now I'm looking for my nose. I plug my nose. I sink to the bottom of the pool. About two hours later, I finally get up to the surface again. Okay. Or it seems, right? And I, I take in that breath. You know, and I'm treading water and I'm checking to make sure everything's there. And it is. Okay, now you're absolutely right. The fear level now has dropped way off, hasn't it? Because again, I'm relieved. But this time, it's for a very different reason. Because I know that I'm okay. I faced my fear and I'm okay. So if I get right out of the pool again and get back in line in that dive, in that, on that diving board, and the place where my fear was at 93 before, where is it now? Oh, it's going to be considerably lower. You'll still probably have some fear, but mm-hmm. it's not going to be anywhere near what it was before because you've conquered it and you know you can deal with it. That's right. This time your relief is for a very different reason, and so you've, re- you've reinforced a different kind of thinking in your mind. And now instead of saying, oh, it must have been really dangerous toward me because look how relieved I feel when I run away from it, now you're thinking, hey, that wasn't so bad. I handled that okay. And so your fear level comes down because of that. What if you go 10 times in a row? Yeah, after a while, it's not even going to be a big deal to you. Right. And now I'm having fun with it, right? And I'm doing the cannonball, going off backwards or whatever. So facing fears, is this is something I've known for, for a long time in my clinical practice, that you've got this, this basic choice. You're going to face it or you're going to avoid it. If you avoid it, it will increase over time. And I can guarantee that, okay? Because I know the dynamics that drive that thing. It will increase. To face it, to face your fear, increases your fear in the short run. It maxes it out. You have to face the full intensity to actually face your fear. But over time, and with repeated practice, it brings that fear down. So the thing that's going to help you the most is the thing that you're going to resist the most. And that's facing the fear. Especially when everything inside of you is telling you to run away. So I was thrilled when I found your book, Ken. And I think you told me about it out on a soccer field. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, I bet I could use that in my practice. And I, I picked up a copy and I started using it with some of the kids that I was working with. Because this is a children's book. It's intended to be a children's book. Now, those of you who have been on the show for a while, you know that I've interviewed Kirk Weasler a couple of times. And he has written what appear to be children's books, but they have these basic principles in them that anybody can benefit from. And I see your book the same way, Ken, that this is a great little story that helps to to wrap your mind around what this fear thing is all about and give people a chance to kind of start to face it uh, in a fun way. So I want to turn it back over to you. I'm talking too much. <laughs> I want to turn it back over to you for a minute to, to tell us a little bit more about the story itself and what kinds of concepts uh, you felt were important to convey through okay. this story. Well, to start with, as I mentioned before, there's this little monster called Albert, and it's time for him to go to bed, and he's he's lying there in bed trying to go to sleep, and he just 
he knows that there's this little girl hiding in his closet, eating an oh, ice cream man. cone. And, you know, he knows little girls love to spill ice cream all over, you know, little monsters' clothes mm-hmm. and makes them laugh so hard. And, and when they're done laughing, well, they eat you up. Right, because that's what they do. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. And so, you know, Albert, he, he yells for his mom, Mom, help me, there's a little girl hiding in my closet. Of course, his mom says, you know, Albert, there's no such thing, no such thing as a little girl. I'll go to sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, and so he realizes he's, he's got to take care of this on his own. And he, mm. like you said, he has to face the fear because no one else is going to do it for him. Mm. So he picks up one of his smelly socks and he throws it at the closet because he knows little girls can't stand the smell of monster socks. Oh, that's right. So he, he throws his sock at the closet and yells at the girl to go away. And um, she's gone. He doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't see her anymore. Well, mm-hmm. a little later on, he hears these, thinks he hears these crayons squeaking. And oh, he's certain yeah. there's this little boy coloring in a coloring book under his bed. And, and well, what little boys do is, you know, usually... They'll spend all their time at night coloring under the bed, but you know if you ever try to get out of bed, they'll grab your hairy little toes and you know they'll play a little piggy on them. And That's then, right. Then they'll eat you up. Right and after they've had a good belly laugh. Exactly. And and once again, Albert calls for his mom. His mom tells him, you know, there's no such thing as boys and girls. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Albert has to deal with it on his own again. And mm-hmm. and this time it's a matter of. Um, you know, sticking his tongue out at that little boy and chasing him away. And, and, and so that deals, that, that handles things okay for a while. But then finally through the window, he can see shadows moving outside of his window. And he knows mm-hmm. it's both the little boy and the little girl. And they're doing the hungry dance. Mm-hmm. And the hungry dance is, well, they'll, they'll dance and jump and leap and giggle all night long until they're good and hungry. Mm-hmm. And when they're good and hungry, then... Then they eat you up. Then they'll eat you up. Right. And so this is Albert's ultimate test. He knows no one's going to come save him. He has to face this fear once and for all. So he he makes his way to the window and puts his nose right up to the curtain, just you know, yells at the boy and girl that, hey, you're not going to eat this little monster for dinner. You know, go away. Mm-hmm. You know, And, and he, he chases him off, and he opens the curtains, and he sees there's no little boy or girl out there. All he sees is a tree waving in the wind. Mm-hmm. And of course mm-hmm. you leave it to the reader to realize that, you know, that's what he saw was really the shadow of the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But to Albert, that was a real fear. Um, mm-hmm. And he dealt with it. And and there are a lot of things you get from, from the story as, as the child reading it, um, the child can see that, you know, some of these fears may be real but he can also see that you know, hey, that's not that's not true. You know, some of these things are imaginary fears, and and it's fun because the child can discover that on his own. He can discover that even though they seem like they're real fears, a lot of them are imaginary. Mm-hmm. And by putting a spin on the story as well, you know, where it's the monster afraid of the little girl, that reinforces in the child's mind that. You know, this is something that's kind of silly to be afraid of. Even though I really am afraid, I don't need to be. You know, I can deal with it. I can face it, and everything will be okay. It's it's important to acknowledge to ourselves and to our kids that those feelings are real. 
and they may be coming from a source that is imaginary, but the feelings themselves are real. Exactly. And there's ways to help our kids and ourselves to face those fears. We're going to pick that up in our next segment. Jay Larson, IdeaOrbit.com, with the World of Ideas Report. Get out the wipes, because this could get messy. Or maybe not. Would you ever believe that you could use diapers as your next million-dollar idea? That is exactly what Charlotte Folks did after being fired from her job. She decided to turn an old interesting hobby into a successful business. She called her product Baby Cakes. What exactly is a baby cake? Charlotte Fox began designing the most elaborate and interesting gift baskets made out of real diapers. She places all kinds of baby gifts in the baskets and turns them into works of art. Charlotte heard often, as many people do, you should sell those. Instead of taking the normal route, she decided to do just that. Baby Cakes is now an international phenomenon. Charlotte's company has grown significantly. She now employs baby cake makers to help with the growth of her enterprise. If you are looking for an idea, it might be just under your nose, even if you have to pinch your nose to look at it. At least that was the case for Charlotte folks and Baby Cakes. This is Shay Larson, IdeaOrbit.com, with the World of Ideas Report. Hi, this is Jason Adams, one of the co-founders of CashflowParadigm.com. We created Cashflow Paradigm as a way to help others look at money differently. What are your beliefs about money? Is it good or bad? Many people have beliefs that limit their control over money and don't even realize it. The thing most people don't realize is that their beliefs about money greatly affect the amount of money and prosperity they have. It's all about your paradigm. Come play a fun game with us called Cashflow 101 created by best-selling author Robert Kiyosaki. Come meet new people and check your paradigm as we learn principles that govern our personal and financial lives while having fun together. Currently, we are holding monthly game nights in Provo and St. George, Utah. Go to our website at www.cashflowparadigm.com to register for upcoming events. That's www.cashflowparadigm.com. Well, Ken, you got me thinking about a lot of things as you were telling that story. And uh, I, I'm remembering little kids that I've worked with using this story. I remember parents or adults that I've worked with using this story as an example. I remember this one little kid I was working with. He was probably probably seven, seven or eight years old. And he, it, for him, it was the monsters. So this book was just perfect. 
And I shared the book with him, and I could tell he was thinking. He was thinking, okay. And it's almost like he set his little jaw, you know. It's like, it's the monsters or me. You know, it's coming <laughs> down to this, and, and I can't go on like this. And we're, you know, tonight. Tonight is the night. And so I gave him a challenge. I said, I know exactly what you need to do to take care of this monster. He's like, okay. You know, he's ready to do it because he knew about Albert. And I said, uh, when you go to bed tonight, I want you to turn the light off. I want you to make sure that the door is closed to the room. Now, usually you left it open, right? So the mm-hmm. hall light can come. I said, no, because that, it's going to work better if you just close that door. And I could tell he was getting a little nervous about it. <laughs> but I said, here's what I want you to do. Where does the monster live? And he said, well, it was in his closet. Okay. That's where some of the monsters like to hang out. And, oh, and that reminds me, too, of another fantastic tool I've used, and that's Monsters, Inc., which is a fabulous little Disney Pixar mm-hmm. show. Most of you are going to be familiar with that, but that, that's helpful, too. He was to go over to the closet, open it up, and shake hands with the monster. And I said, if the monster is afraid of you, it's going to get out of there before you can ever shake hands with it. Okay? And if it's not afraid of you, then shaking hands with it will convince it that you're the boss. And Anyway, the idea was get him to face the fear. Get him to, because it doesn't matter if it's a real monster in there. To the child, it is. And you think about your own monsters, all you grown-up people out there. You don't have monsters, right? Well, you do. Think about it. What about your monsters? And what if you were to face them, face them as boldly as this kid did, as boldly as Albert did in this book, to say, hey, you're not going to eat this little monster, and, and face that fear. Well, this was the hardest thing on earth for this little seven-year-old to do. But as he did that, he was able to conquer that fear. And it's just like me on the diving board. Okay, you, you face your fear, and it will reduce your fear of that thing. If you run away from it, you're going to be struggling with a higher level of fear. And so that's the basic, the basic formula. Okay, well, that's not easy to do. So how do we help our kids? You, you got into this in the last segment, Ken. The way you chose to help your kids was by writing a book, right? Now you're helping other kids as a result, and that's really fantastic. But here's, here's the thing I wanted to emphasize. There's a basic belief that is at the root of every fear. And I got this idea from Susan Jeffers. She wrote a book called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway by Susan Jeffers. And I recommend the book. In fact, I'll put a link on the, on the Live on Purpose blog site so that you can get both of these books. In Dr. Jeffers' book, she says there's this basic belief that is at the root of every single fear. And this is at the very fundamental, deepest level of every one of our fears. And the belief is... I can't handle it. Whatever it is that's going to happen or that I'm thinking will happen, my belief is that I can't handle it. And that's what creates the fear. How's that ringing with you, Ken? Does that seem right? Yeah, I think that's pretty well sums it up. Because uh, what, what if you believed that you could handle anything? 
you know, that's where it kind of gets dangerous. Um, you know, fear is, <laughs> because there are some things that are truly yeah, dangerous. Fear, huh? fear is, a, is actually a protection mechanism for us. Yeah, that's what it's for. And uh, to protect mm-hmm. us from things that can harm us. That's right. But it can also keep us from doing things that we should do and should be able to do if we let it control us. And so uh, that's where the trick comes in, identifying what are the fears that we should stay away from the dangerous mm-hmm. things and which ones are the ones we need to, to deal with head on and, and, and face. So there's realistic fear and there's neurotic fear. Yeah. And that part of your brain I was talking about before, the limbic system that controls this fight or flight response, can't distinguish between the real and the perceived stuff. And so it's going to kick you into that reaction either way. There's another part of your mind that you will use to discern. And in fact, that's the same part of your part of your mind or your brain, if you will, that keeps you seated in your seat at the theater. When's the last time you went screaming out of a theater? I don't think I ever have. <laughs> You'd be embarrassed to admit it, right? And you just don't see this because the frontal cortex, the part of your brain that is is associated with thinking, it's right behind your forehead. It's in charge of, of logic, uh, problem-solving, uh, rational thinking, that sort of stuff. And I know I'm oversimplifying all this, but that's a good way to think about it. That part of your brain kicks in and says, Whoa, hey, stay in your seat. You paid eight bucks for the show. You haven't even finished your popcorn yet. Okay? It's just a movie. This is the other part of your brain that's kicking in. Meanwhile, your limbic system is going, ah, you know, and freaking out. So you can override that fight-or-flight response with your thinking. And it's your thinker that has to discern, like you're saying, Ken, you know, I love what you said, that fear is a protectin. Got a peach and spitament. A protection or a protective mechanism. And it's there for a very wise purpose. It, your brain loves you. It doesn't want you to be bear chow. So that's why you have it in there. But but realize that it's not going to discern between those things that are truly dangerous and those things that you just believe are dangerous. You're going to have to do some thinking to figure that part out. And there's a lot of ways that you can do this. So with our kids, okay? And this is tough. I have to warn you, okay? For, for you who are parents or even for yourself, facing your fears is the best way to reduce your fear of that thing. It's okay to maintain a healthy fear of the things that are truly dangerous so that you keep your distance. But there's so many ways that we get fears of things that, that impair our ability to have a normal life. So I had this, this little gal in my office not too long ago who was just terrified of being separated from her, from her mom. Okay? Well, it makes it really hard for her to go to school. Now, is she really in danger? Not really, no. No. Hundreds of kids going to school every day, right? And they're just fine. Now, could something happen? Yes. Yes. And this is the part that I wanted to emphasize right now. It does not help your kids to promise them that nothing bad is going to happen. Because you and I both know that something might, right? Isn't it possible? Yes. We just had a news story this week out of Salt Lake City where a little girl was killed. 
Okay, little seven-year-old girl, I think she was. These things happen. Do not promise your children that they won't. I remember uh, I, was, I was right at the height of my clinical practice when Elizabeth Smart was kidnapped in Salt Lake City. And this made national news. Okay, and, and thankfully she was able to, to be found and she's doing okay now. But oh my heavens, you know, I had kids coming through my office after that with these fears of being abducted. <laughs> And it's because they realized that it could happen. Well, some of their parents were telling, oh, that's never going to happen to you. Oh, really? How do you know that? Okay, now this is why I said this is hard, because parents don't want to acknowledge this either, that something could happen. But let's get back to the basic fundamentals of how you're going to help your kids with the fear. If you promise them that nothing bad will happen, they'll know that you're lying. They just heard it on the news. It happens. Their friends talk about it at school. It happens, doesn't it? It does. So this little girl is thinking, oh, what if mom drops me off at school and then she gets in a car accident and she's killed or she disappears and never comes back? Okay, and and mom has a tendency to promise her, well, that's not going to happen, honey. Mom doesn't know that that won't happen. So... Here's here's the thing that, that gets back to Susan Jeffers' book, too. Feel the fear and do it anyway. There is some chance that those things are going to happen. Your kids are much, much better off if you can send them the message, you can handle it. You know, they don't believe that yet. You know, this little gal didn't think that she could handle it if her mom didn't come to pick her up or if something happened to her mom. Or if her mom died. Okay? The truth of the matter is she could handle it. Now this is kind of hard to think about. But isn't that true though? Yes. She could. Ken, do you know any kids in this world who have had to deal with hard things like that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And I think almost all of our listeners, if not all of them will acknowledge that they know people who have dealt with some of the things that they are personally afraid of. The bottom line is you can handle it. What if you could convince yourself, first of all, that you could handle whatever happens? In fact, this this is kind of funny, actually. Some people, when they say, well, I don't think I could handle that. Oh, really? What would that look like? If you couldn't handle it, what would it look like? What do you think their response would be, Ken? I think they'd give you a blank stare. I don't, I don't know that they would know the answer. Well, they've never pushed it that far. Yeah. They haven't really asked themselves, wait a minute, what is it that I'm saying that I couldn't handle it? And some people say, well, I think I, I might go crazy. Oh, see, I'm a shrink. That would be really interesting to see. <laughs> what, what do you mean you'd go crazy? Peel off all your clothes and run down the street screaming? No, I wouldn't go that crazy. <laughs> And I'm thinking, okay, well, what do you mean when you say you couldn't handle it? Usually what they mean is that it would be difficult for them. Okay, so this little gal, and and I've had a lot of practice doing this, and so I know how to approach kids about this. But you as parents can do this too, to send the message to your kids that they could handle that. So the kid says, well, what if, what if you get in an accident, and what if you get hurt, or what if you get killed? Okay, let's answer the what ifs. In fact, put that in your toolbox. Answer the what-ifs. What would you do? I'll give you an example of how you can answer that. 
when we come back from this break. This is Ross Kellen Moore of Creation Tree Coaching, and I've got two questions for you. Who are you? What do you want? You see, I've figured out that you and I can absolutely create anything that we really want. But to do that, we've got to be absolutely clear on who we really are and what we really want. So what do you want? More financial abundance? More fulfilling relationships? A higher level of health and fitness? How about finding your work that allows you to create massive value for others in the way that you love most? Welcome to Creation Tree Coaching. We are the world's premier provider of abundance, education, and resources. We are here to help you create the life you really love. Begin now at creationtreecoaching.com. Check out our live teleseminar classes and podcasts. Get to know our coaches and schedule a coaching session. Explore training for your business and employees. Welcome to Creation Tree Coaching and a whole new world that you create on purpose. This is Dr. Paul. You've heard me talk about a lot of things on this show, and I've interviewed some pretty amazing guests. I love what I do, and one of the nearest things to my heart is my role as a husband and father. I've worked a lot with others who place a strong emphasis on family, and I feel this is my primary purpose, to help others save and enrich their key relationships. It's in this spirit that I invite you parents to join me for a free weekly dose of parental power. Register for this free teleconference at drpaul.org or send me an email at drpaul at creationtreecoaching.com. You will receive an email with the call-in number and access code. The calls are live every Tuesday morning from 11.30 to 12 o'clock Mountain Time. I'd love to be part of your parenting team. So we left it off with answer the what ifs. And fear always comes with the what if questions. Think about it. You know, you're, you're afraid of something that might happen, right? And you're asking this question, well, what if that happens? Fear, the, the flight response, and when you want to run away from or avoid your fear, you don't answer that question. You just conclude something like, oh, I couldn't handle that. And then you stop thinking about it and you just try to avoid it. Answering the what-ifs is an important thing. So this little gal I was telling you about, uh, she said, well, what if, what if my mom doesn't come back for me? And then I tried to help her through that. Well, what, what would you do? I don't know. I don't know what I'd do. Well, let's think about it a little bit. And she wasn't sure where to go from there. And I said, you know what? I think if something happened to your mom, the first thing, the very first thing you would do is feel really sad. You'd probably cry a lot. Okay? Because I don't want to, you know, pat it. 
Isn't that what she would do? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if she found out that something had happened to her mom? Yeah, she would cry a lot for a while. And then she'd calm down a little bit. And a lot of people would be there to hug her. And a lot of people would be there to support her. You know, and you have to gauge this based on what the, real, what the reality is. Because I've worked with, with little kids before who don't have that kind of support. And I wasn't sure if somebody would be there to hug them for a while. You know, eventually somebody's going to show up and hug them. Um, you can be very real about that and very matter of fact. It helps them to just visualize, okay, well, that's what would happen. And then she she said something like, well, where would I live? I said, I don't know. Where do you think you would live? Well, probably my grandma would take me in. I says, you're probably right. Your grandma loves you a lot, doesn't she? And we just talk through the what ifs. Go ahead and answer the what ifs, people. Don't be afraid of the what ifs. And it's not going to kill you to talk about it. And this actually really helps kids with their fear because they see you handling it in an honest, straightforward way. Now, it's okay also. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't reassure them. Because what is the likelihood that what they fear is going to happen? Not real high, yeah. right? It's not really high. So you can, you can communicate that by saying, you know what? I'm going to do my best to take good care of myself so that I can make sure that I'm here for you. And then if they, but what if something does happen to you? Then go ahead and answer the what ifs. That's all I'm saying. Answer the what ifs. And if you're uncomfortable with that yourself, it probably means you need to answer the what ifs. If you're going to try to help your kids, make sure that you can answer those yourself too. And if you're still saying, oh, I don't think I could handle that, uh, then you got more thinking to do. And I'd be happy to consult with you. Send me an email, drpaul at liveonpurposeradio.com. I'd be happy to talk to you about that. Um, heck, I'd bring you into the studio. We could talk about it right here. <laughs> anyway, somebody's going to take me up on that, Ken. <laughs> um, all right. Now, I'm talking about some of the hard things, and, and I'm, a, I'm a licensed, trained mental health professional, Right. So I've had some experience in working kids through with this. I think it would be wise for, for any of you out there who are wanting to face your own fears or to help someone like your children to face their fears to take some steps that you feel ready for. And if you're not up to answering all the what-ifs and you want to consult with me first, you know, we can work that out. But Ken, you brought something up a little earlier about another way to do this, and this is why you wrote the book. Talk a little bit about that vicarious experience. The, you know what I'm talking about yes. with that? I, explain what that is and why something like this book can help. Well, you know, one, one thing I, I learned as, as a writer, I've, I've written a number of different stories, is when you write a story, one of the th- things that happens it, as a reader reads a story, actually, is there's tension that's created. Um, and it can be through fear or it can be through other things. And it's, as you, it, it feels real. Um, but what this does is as a reader is reading this book and they're having this tension or anxiety or fear, they're doing it in a safe environment. They're, they're feeling the fear, but it's not really happening to them. And this gives the reader an opportunity to experience things in a way that's not going to harm them. So they can learn to deal with their anxieties or deal with their fears in a controlled way. And as you're talking about, 
um, or alluding to, this gives parents a similar opportunity to help them help their children deal with their fears in a controlled or a safe way. And, and also, you know, presents an opportunity for them to discuss, you know, these fears that they feel are re- real. Mm-hmm. The, and, and the feelings are. Yeah. The feelings are real. So this is a way to really leverage the information that I shared with you earlier about your brain and this part of your mind that just can't distinguish between the real and the perceived you can use that to your advantage by triggering some of those feelings, like you're saying, Ken, in a safe context. And, 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 and you know, another thing you talk about discerning, you know, as you talked, one of the problems I've seen as I dealt with my own children is, you know, young children are not very logical. That's and, true. And that's what a lot of some this, adults aren't very yeah. logical, Ken. And, <laughs> and that's what a lot of this comes down to is, you know they're they're not logical, and so they're reacting to their emotions and their their feelings and their fears. And you can try to be as logical as you want to explain to them. There's not a monster in your closet, or there's not this, but they're not going to get it. But you know, as you know, I've seen as kids have heard this story, my book, and read it, they get the logic. They all of a sudden realize, hey, it's not logical that this monster is going to be afraid of children. And then they helps them make the next step. Well, maybe it's not logical for me to be mm-hmm. afraid of monsters. Mm-hmm. And, and it helps them make that connection on their own, um, mm-hmm. in, in their own way. So there's a lot of opportunities there that, that it provides. The other thing that I like about that is it, it gives them a chance to reframe something that they thought they understood. Exactly. Because monsters are scary, of course. Mm-hmm. Or are they? Because Albert's not very. No, Albert's not, in fact. And his mom's not really either. Not really. In fact, the children that he's, he's scared of aren't scary-looking children. They're, they're cute children. Mm-hmm. And the child sees that and goes, well, why in the world is he scared of these children? Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like you said, it helps them reframe their own thinking. And look at the logic or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. That they've that they've been practicing. It puts it at a level that they can relate to and mm-hmm. understand. That's right. Well, this is a, a a fantastic tool I found. Let's take a few minutes to help people understand how they can get connected with you and what you're doing. And and uh, I know you've got a website. Mm-hmm. I've been to your website before. It's www.bravemonster. Spelled just how you'd think, yep. right? Bravemonster.com. Exactly. Okay, and, and on that website, there's an introduction to... Yeah, there's information about, uh, a little bit about me, my background, uh, a little bit about Brave Little Monster. Also, there are uh, lesson plans there are, um, that, that school teachers can use and also um, parents can use for dealing with fear. Um, there's also, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned that we've talked before on the radio. There's also, mm-hmm. uh, excerpts of our discussion before on, on dealing with fear. Oh, I haven't listened to those excerpts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. You know, that was probably what, a year and a half yeah. ago, something like that, where you came on, I was doing the producer revolution radio show and you came on as a guest in that show. So you've posted some of the clips exactly. from that interview. Yeah. Well, excellent. And then of course, um, uh, there's there's going to be contact information and things there that they can get to you exactly, if they want to yes. 
follow up with you, ask you a question, have mm-hmm. you come be a keynote speaker at their event, <laughs> whatever it is, right? And so that's how people can get with you the best. Now, as far as the book itself, I will put a link on on the Live On Purpose Radio website uh, where people can actually just click on that to get connected with the book. We'll send them through Amazon, Great, uh, which is a great way to, to get a hold of the book itself. Is that right? It is. Okay. Well, very good. Well, Ken, I sure appreciate that you came to be with me here today on Live On Purpose Radio. Thanks for having me here. It's been a lot of fun. It has. Is there anything else that you want to say before we wrap up? I don't, I don't think so. Okay, well, let's just do a quick recap of some of the main points that we've hit okay. here. Uh, facing your fears. There are two basic things that you can do with your fear. You can face it or you can avoid it. Now, you're going to be more inclined to avoid it. Uh, but that's the worst thing that you can do as far as the long-term effects, right? And so we've shared some stories about that. How to help your kids to face their fears. I think some of the main things that I want to reiterate here is, is first of all, this basic belief that people have. And this goes for adults, parents, kids, anybody. There's a basic belief that underlies every fear. And this comes from Dr. Susan Jeffers in Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. That's her book, where she says this belief that you can't handle it is at the root of every fear. And just ask yourself, listeners, what if I could overcome that belief? What if I really believed that I could handle anything that happens to me? Again, you very uh, deftly pointed out that you want to maintain a healthy level of fear for those things that are really dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. Just so that you keep your distance. But be discerning. And these fears that are crippling you or that are stopping you from achieving prosperity or happiness or success or the great relationship that you want, those are the fears that you want to take on and start to face. You can do that vicariously. That's where your book comes in, Ken, or other... Uh, we go to movies for the same reason. You know, I think that people experience the same thing as they read a book or go to a movie and they have a chance to experience something vicariously. And see how that would feel. Send a strong message to yourself, to your kids, to those around you that you can handle it. And the best way that I've found to do this is to answer the what-if questions. Your mind's going to ask them. Go ahead and answer them. It's not going to hurt you to do that. Answering the what-ifs. And don't make promises you can't keep. This is especially true for kids. I don't know. Am I hitting them all? I think so. Is there anything that uh, that I left out that you want to pick up? No, just you know, like you said, uh, whether the fears are imaginary or not, to the child, those fears are real, and Mm -hmm. um, you need to help them. That's right. Through them, the feelings are real. Yeah, and we don't have to sit around and judge why we're having those feelings. They're there. Yeah, but you can get to the bottom of them and start to face those fears. Well, thanks for being here. Thank you. A lot of fun today. I hope that you listeners will go out there and check out Ken's book, Brave Little Monster. You can learn more about Ken at www.bravemonster.com. I want you to go out there and live on purpose. And I hope you have a great week doing so. We'll catch you next time.